0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Did you miss my free special session webinar this past week? The three critical business systems you need to succeed as a small firm architect? Well, no worries. I'm coming back to do another live session on a different day and a different time. Visit entrearchitectscom slash free webinar to learn more and to register for free. This is Entree Architect Podcast, episode 135. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm Whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. How long did it take you to become a licensed architect? I mean, how many years went by? before you finally pulled the trigger, focused on your studies, and passed the architect's registration exam. It wasn't easy, was it? Yes, the exam is a challenge, but the the part of the process that's even more difficult is starting. How do you do all the things that are going on in your life, all those important moments, all all those important responsibilities, how do you do all that and find enough time in your life to study and pass the ARE. Well, this week at Entree Architect Podcast, I have a very special guest who has felt your pain. It took him 15 years before finally finding the freedom to call himself an architect, a licensed architect. This week, Evan Troxel of ArcaSpeak Podcast joins me to share how to hack your life for ARE success and beyond. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. Evan Troxel, welcome to Entree Architect podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark.
1: Really glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here. This is great. This has been a long time coming. You know, we've yeah. been friends a long time. Yep. Uh, I've been listening to the Arca Speak podcast since day one um, and a big fan. And so it's great to have you here. Uh, we've become friends over the years through the podcast and through AIA conventions and just online and hanging out. Uh, we've actually been hanging out, you know, in person as well here in New York City and elsewhere. Yeah. So that was uh, awesome. Yeah. It was a really good time. So you are
1: I, a really good tour guide. Yeah. We got to do it again.
0: <laughs> got to do it again. I would love that. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. So, um, before we get started, let's let's do your origin story for anybody who who may not know who you are and where you've come from. Tell us, you know, sort of how you discovered architecture. I know some of that's been talked about over at Arca speak but I'd love for you to share your your origin story here with us. Where did you discover architecture, and, and talk about your journey from that point forward to where you find yourself today?
1: Yeah, sure. I this has been one of those things where. You know, every time I listen to your podcast, this is that that question is like, oh, man, I'm going to have to answer that someday <laughs> uh, because knowing I was going to we were going to do this. And um, it's it's one of those stories that is similar. I, you know, there's a definitely a similar thread, uh, which is, you know, it, it seems to happen kind of early for most people. And it has to do with Legos and Lincoln Logs and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's but right. um, for me, it, it's a little different because I'm such an outdoors uh oriented person and I grew up in the mountains. And so I always found myself drawing a lot uh, when I was indoors, but when I was outside uh, and not playing with Legos and stuff, I was always kind of building little houses and projects and scenes out of rocks and stuff like that. My my grandfather was a geologist and uh, I've always kind of had this, this gravitation towards geology and rocks. And, and I used to sit out in the front yard of our house in Tahoe, And I would just start stacking up rocks and building little Flintstone style houses. And I'd have my matchbox cars out there. And uh, that, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but it's definitely where I first remember building stuff. And then from there, it just grew into, you know, my dad always seemed to have a project going on at the house. And we moved around a lot as I was a kid, but we always owned that Tahoe house. So we'd go back up there. And I say we as, a, as if I had something to do with it. But um, it, it was this house that several additions were done to, and it, it snowed a lot. And so we would work indoors in the winter and outdoors in the summer. And and it became this everlasting project. I think my dad had the longest standing permit for an addition of like 13 years. <laughs> uh, and. And it, I remember, you know, jumping out of the windows into the snowbanks uh, from the upper story, and learning how to ski off the roof of this house. So it's definitely kind of a one of those. It's the place that I call home, even though I lived in Hawaii for a little bit, and we moved down to Southern California um, from the second grade. But we've always kind of gone back to this place. So really, I do call it and consider it my home. And it was one of those moments. My dad has told this story uh, several times, and uh, I. I'm pretty sure I remember this too, but there was, uh, we were working on the house. We were actually putting a door where a window used to be one day. And so I had learned a lot of carpentry and construction skills just working on the house just from my dad. And so I credit him for a lot of where I've come from, but you know, he's like, what have you learned? And, and I just said, right, right. It just came out. You know, well, I do it right the first time. (laughs) And, uh, and it was, it was one of those things where we were always modifying things and we, we weren't afraid to modify stuff. And so that translated into cars. And, um, I think that it's, I've always been mechanical. I've always loved taking things apart and putting them back together and hoping there's not any leftover parts once I've done that. And still today I'm, I'm a pretty handy person when it comes to doing and building stuff. I like to fabricate things. My favorite place in the whole house is my workshop in the garage And I've got an old car like you uh, that I love to work on. And it's just one of those things where I've always been very mechanical. So drafting, when I was in high school, became a thing for me. And uh, it was architectural drafting. Uh, When I was in junior high, I actually took a mechanical drafting class. And uh, my teachers and my mentors back then kind of saw my natural uh, inclination and talent to be able to draw technically. And... I developed lettering skills at a very young age. I've always had lots of different styles of handwriting. And to me, it was always kind of like drawing little pictures and symbols. So I was pretty good at it. And I still today have many different styles of handwriting that I use all the time. And uh, And so that just kind of blossomed into that architectural drafting class. I would go there for a, a period before everybody else went to school. We had zero period. Uh, so our class was an ROP class that we trained for architecture drafting. And I actually won a house design competition when I was in high school. And they, another ROP program built that house. So that was- what's, what's ROP? ROP is a regional opportunity program, I think, something like that. Um, and it's, it's basically like a vocational mm-hmm. training class in high school. And so our school had the drafting component and then in the same district there was another school that had a construction component to that. And they built the house that I designed after I won the competition. Oh, I had cool. to draw a set of working documents and uh they built the house off of that. How old? I was, you know, sixteen, yeah. I guess. And uh so that was pretty cool to to be a part of and witness and um, I was crushed the next year when I didn't win it again. But um <laughs> So I I got competitive pretty pretty quickly and um got accepted into Cal Poly Pomona out here where I where I go went to school and where I live now currently and uh, I live live in the next neighboring city called Claremont and that was a great experience it was life changing for me because I thought it was going to be architectural drafting and it was like my my professors were as most of the professors in this area teach at many different schools. So SciArc and UCLA and Cal Poly and uh, Woodbury and all the, all the kind of schools that are concentrated here in Southern California for architecture, they all, everybody's, you know, kind of nomadic in that sense. And uh, the, the biggest thing that I became aware of was that I was told I would have to unlearn the bad habits that I had been trained all throughout my early years of education. So Coloring in the lines was a, was a a really bad thing. And so we were taught in design school to th- think, right, and to solve problems. And that's, I think it was third year when it finally clicked for me. And I, I became much more aware of what I was doing there. Before that, I think I was kind of going through the the movements and and just trying to stay afloat and figure it out. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, I'm going to be an architect and um, I'm pretty pretty good at this. So I think I was already kind of well set up to be good at it. But um, by the time I graduated, I had won the the top design award and uh, my thesis project went really well. And I had been interning at a firm and I actually left that firm after a couple of years of of working there. But but now I'm back at that same firm again and I'm a senior level designer and I work on higher education and K-12 and civic projects. So I do a lot of different big uh, public works Type projects nowadays, and so I, you know, you can kind of go back and trace all the all the steps. But I, I don't think I would have ever guessed that I would have just designed a sixty million dollar project uh, when I was back designing a little house in high school or building rock houses when I was a kid. So <laughs> I guess that's my my origin story to where I am now.
0: Yeah, you're you're such a good storyteller. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the um, w- w- The one thing that sort of jumped out at me, and 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 I wonder if there is a common theme. Uh, among other architects as well i'd love maybe people to post some comments either in this in the show notes at entrearchitect.com/episode135 or over at the facebook group uh at entrearchitect.com/group you you had, you talked about growing up in that in your house that was under construction for all those years uh-huh. i did the same thing my my parents you know they they put on additions and they took time because they did a lot of the work themselves or had you know uncles or friends come and help frame and and do the work and so it took so it takes a long time and so I grew up in that
1: yeah. you
0: know environment and I wonder how many other small firm architects who are doing what we do um you know had that has that as part of their story you know that they sort of grew yeah. up in that that world
1: yeah it's interesting i I still find it incredibly useful because even even with some of the new projects I'm working on, um, I always find that I'm kind of hacking it. And and that's what my my dad did with the house, right? He was hacking the house to make it what he wanted it to be. And to me, that was kind of an eye-opening experience as a kid, which was we can modify this environment to fit us. And that's really what architects are, are always kind of selling, right? It's a custom tailored environment for you. It solves your problems. It's it's, it fits you. Right. And I think that that is one of the most interesting things that people don't get about architecture when they go out and shop for a house. Um, and they're just going to buy it, you know, a tract house, just like the one next door is that it's, that's made for anybody. And so to me, it was important to learn at an early age to not be afraid to do that. And so it's translated to computers and cars and, and whatever. Um, And it's something I try to teach my kids as well. is like, no, you have the power here. You have the control. If you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, you can do anything. And so architects are naturally good at that. We went through Design Studio. We do it in the businesses we work in today. You know, if we have to create a 3D model or a presentation or whatever, we all are very um, happy with being in the mess until it gets to the final, right? I don't, nobody's scared off by creating a mess to get there. But most people I think in the world, if I just throw out the generalization, are afraid of that mess, that yeah. messy period. And uh, there's actually a really good book about uh, the value of blue collar work, if you, if you have to call it a category. But to me, working with your hands um, is it kind of fits within that. And it's called Shop Classes is Soulcraft. It's, a, it's an amazing book by a really great author. Uh, it's it's a lot to digest, but basically talks about how problem solving through working with your hands is an invaluable skill. And, uh, as more people transition to knowledge work, you know, sitting behind a computer in a cubicle all day, um, there's, there's a lot of talent and brain cells that are not, I'm not going to say going to waste, but they're not being developed to solve problems. And therefore, you know, now cars are being developed with no dipstick you can't even change the oil yourself you can't even see the oil level you have to wait for the light to show up on the dashboard to tell you so and so it's really about how things are getting more and more buttoned up um, so that you cannot mess with them you can't tinker with them you can't so I like the whole making aspect of my life I like the whole fabrication and design and and I'm happiest when I'm making stuff
0: yeah I I think that's so important especially in our in our current age, uh, and the current young generation, the kids that, that are coming, growing up through this, this age, uh, my kids, you know, they're peers and they want to be constantly on the computer.
1: Yeah. I, I love watching the pictures you post of your, your son. Who's making, you know, doing the drawings, <laughs> Yeah, making the boat, uh, you know, designing, designing his own toys like there's just so many cool things that that our kids do like I want I have taught my kids last summer how to fish like here's how to catch fish you don't just walk into the store and buy the fish right and so just just valuable skills like that that allow them to be more um, independent self-sustaining those are really important skills
0: yeah and and to encourage some of those those synapses in their brains to fire you know yes. this, That, that yep. stuff does get explored. That Create I, those I, connections. I yeah. know that computers are immensely important, and to, to know how to use them and know how to how to communicate through them. And so, you know, I want them to learn that too. But I also want them to know how to saw a piece of wood. Yep. You know, or screw a screw into a into a wall. You know, I, I want them to know how to do that. And yeah. And I want them to be excited about that. You know, that that when Henry built that boat, you know, that's because he said he wanted a boat. I said, okay, well let's. You design it. I'll get you the materials and you can go build it. Yeah. And he did. And so, and now that, you know, every year that boat becomes another project that he wants to add to it and fix it and change it and hack it. And yeah, you know, he wants to put a, you know, it's a rowboat. So it's, it's an 11 foot six. Let's know, put a boat. motor on it. That's where he wants to go. He, he wants <laughs> to course. put a motor on it. He wants to put a <laughs> deck on it and he wants to make it into this high speed Jersey skiff. And I'm like, okay, why not let's right. figure out how to do that. So, That's cool. You know,
1: I, Yeah. It's one of those things where I have a, a, like a, what I call it, it is a soul craft project, like a passion project of mine, which is designing a a family camping trailer. And from the ground up, we're going to build every piece of it. And those kids are going to be a part of that. And to me, there's, that's one of those projects that, because I, I can't add onto my house the way my dad did. This is going to be that thing, right? Where the kids help make the thing that enables us to go outside and do stuff, go on an adventure together. So excited about I, I that i think
0: that's awesome and and you're sharing all about that on your on your um on your uh blog
1: right yep that's what, one of the blogs that's over at space Yeah, and uh space space shop yeah
0: Yep, yeah so anybody wants to sort of see see the progress of evan's trailer and it's really really cool
1: it will be really cool man yeah. I, it's it turned out as everything to be a much larger project than i thought but yeah one it's of getting, your many projects. Yeah.
0: Another one of your big projects that most people know you for is Arca Speak Podcast. I'd I'd love to know a little bit of the origin story of that. We we started our podcasts at a very similar, I'm not sure who started first, but they started around the same time. Yeah. And um so how did that happen? How did you how did you meet Neil and Cormac, who, you know, Neil lives in, in California, but he's not near you. And right. Cormac lives on the other side of the country. So how did how did how did you guys get together and how, how and why did you create Arcaspeak?
1: So Arcaspeak came to me out of a Twitter conversation, and Neil and Cormac had already met at the AIA convention in DC uh, a couple of well, I guess probably five five or six years ago now, and they at that point had just kind of thrown the idea out there, I guess, and they were out at dinner one night with a bunch of people who are all kind of friends on Twitter. And I hadn't, I don't, I guess I must have followed both of them at that point, but I didn't know them. Uh, just like you said, we all live in very different areas of the country. Uh, Neil lives in the Bay area. I'm in Southern California and in Cormac's in around Baltimore area. So it, it came up on Twitter after the convention and, uh, I, I had thrown out there, you guys should start a podcast. And, and they were you know, going at it back and forth as they still do today. Yeah. And, um, and so they're like, no, we should. Uh, and, and I'm like, does that mean me too? I don't. I, so I guess they had, they had been aware of some of the th- the things that I had done. And so I said, okay. And I think me saying okay to that is what actually made it happen. Yeah, right. It made, because it, yeah. it made it real. Like, because when I say, okay, like I'm really gonna do it. I'm not gonna just talk about it some more and And because I have background uh, producing music with my band, um, and it's the we use the the music on the show for our episodes, and yeah, so that's it. a nice little perk of not having to license music. but um we we were able to pretty quickly put it all together because of the previous knowledge that I had by doing that. And so that's funny because when I was doing music, That's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. And um, we had we had created a few albums and we had produced them all ourselves. And it was it was a lot of work, but it was really rewarding. And we had played a lot of live shows in Hollywood and L.A. And uh, and then, you know, life changes happened and weird stuff goes on with bandmates. And then all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore. And that skill translated really well into podcasting. And so it's like, oh, I can edit a show. Oh, I know how to build websites. I've been building websites since the early 90s, right? So I can do that. Um I listen to a lot of podcasts. I can figure this out. I know how to do the show notes and add the metadata. So for the for as far as how it got started, it started on Twitter. I had not met Neil for in person probably for another year after that, and then I didn't meet Cormac for 3 years that we had been doing the podcast in person. Um even though we talked once or twice a week over Skype to do the show and just to handle stuff. And so, um, here we are 97 episodes later, four years into it. We do one every two weeks and we basically build the show as the, the talk you would hear in an office around the water cooler. And it's one of those things where we just share our experiences and we get, uh, an audience, probably a lot of listeners from your show listen to us already. So I'll I'll spare all the details, but we get a lot of students. We get a lot of people who've been in profession for a long time and everywhere in between. The students are like, thank you for actually talking about what it's like to work in the profession. Nobody talks about this stuff. The teachers don't know at the school because they don't do it. Um, we hear that all the time. And then we hear from people who've been in the profession forever who are very small firms and they're like, I turn you guys on just so it I feel like I'm back in school again, right? I feel like I'm in a studio. Um, it's nice to hear people talking. And so, uh, and we get everything in between there as well. So I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's one of those shows that we never um, had a plan for it to be anything specific. And it just kind of became a natural thing. I mean, we have episode topics a mile long because it's just observing what goes on around you. And we can bring experience from our diverse perspectives in that way and then we've had a few guests on the show along the way you've been on the show Uh, Rosa sheng has been on the show America McKeel's been on the show Um, lots of different people have been on the show but for the most part it's not an interview type show it's just the three of us talking about a topic sometimes it's really cool stuff that happens in architecture and sometimes it's the total BS stuff that happens in architecture we're not trying to hide anything or paint a a super glossy picture of what it's like to work in the profession we're just saying here's how it is. And a lot of people find value in that.
0: Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to
1: FreshBooks
0: for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect. Because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect. They recognize the need for small firms like us to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And I use FreshBooks for my own small firm, 5Cat Studio, and my favorite feature of the FreshBooks software is sending my invoices by email and allowing my clients to pay by credit card. When FreshBooks says that you'll get paid faster, they're not kidding. With the convenience of clicking a button and paying by credit card, many of my clients pay now as soon as they receive their invoice. And for those clients who don't pay right away, FreshBooks automatically sends them a reminder of the balance due at an interval that I set. So once I send an invoice, I can go back to being an architect and I don't need to chase down any of my clients. And Tim Lee of FreshBooks will show you how easy it is to send invoices by email on our exclusive video series Tim and I produced exclusively for the Entree Architect community. Check out this free video series at entrearchitectcom slash there's no catch. There's no email. It's completely free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks video, and you will get the videos right away. There's three of them. It shows you everything you need to know about getting started. And then go to freshbooks.com slash architect, freshbooks.com slash architect, and sign up for your free 30-day trial and give it a try. It's free. I suggest you just send one invoice and see what happens. That's how I got started. Just send one invoice to one client and see how it works. And when I did that and I got paid much faster than usual, I signed up for the rest of it and I set up my whole my whole account in FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com slash architect for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect into how did you hear about us? You know, the real uh, story of architecture. Right. Uh, yep. and you guys have such a great chemistry. Um, you, I, you're all friends, but you know, that as friends do, you know, there are also times where you get crazy with each other and, right. and that sometimes that comes out and it's really, uh, it's a really good, uh, podcast. And, and I, that, you know, what you just described about podcasting on how people use the podcast, how they listen to it for different reasons. That's the power of podcasting. You know, that's, right. that's, um, people know who you are. You know, through that and through even through this conversation that we're having now, people know your background, know your childhood story. You know, now they know why you go out into the mountains and climb through crevasses. you know, because (laughs) you grew up there, you know, and your grandfather, you know, was a geologist. It's in your blood. You know, I never knew that, you know, and now we know a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where you listen to the stuff over time, and these voices are just friends, right? right. And so I i lis- have listened to podcasts for years, and I love turning them on because I love hearing from that friend again. Yeah. And so I think there is a lot of power in the spoken word and in the voice uh, that this this translation of stories that we tell is super important. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy to share. I've never shied away from sharing, and I feel like that it's opened up a lot of opportunities in the f- in the field of architecture for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's leading to your next project, right? I mean, it's sort of inspired it, it is. that, right? And that,
1: it is, yeah. Share share what you learn, share what you know, yeah. because because other people aren't doing that. And so, again, this my my new project is is a book that I've been writing for the last seven months, and it, you know, again, way bigger project than I ever thought. Just started as an outline thought about making some blog posts and then I thought, well, what if it was, what if I thought about this differently? What if I, and I kind of approach every project like this, what, what n- new thing can I do to make myself better? Because I'm all about progress and and learning and um, making myself better at stuff and, and trying new things. So it became appealing to me to add the word author to my bio, uh, because I thought, you know, it doesn't count just Blogging stuff for me it didn't didn't count as far as being an author and I've always loved writing I've always been pretty good at writing uh, until I took on this book and then I really realized how hard it is to do something well um, because I I am a perfectionist and while I'm not going to wait until it is absolutely perfect to ship it um, I've been through I don't know eight versions of drafts and um, I've done some heavy heavy editing. And and it's just one of those stories uh, that I thought needed to be told. It and the story basically, the synopsis is, uh, you know, I waited 15 years from graduating school to get my license in architecture. And in California, uh, once you get all the NCARB tests done, you got to take the the California supplemental exam, which is another beast unto itself. And it took me. Fifteen years to even decide I wanted to do it, um, and 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 then it just kind of clicked when I was doing some goal setting with my wife one day. We're going to do this, and I say we because it's a it's a whole family affair. Once you decide that you've got to do this, and, you, and there's kids and yeah. and spouses involved, and so. It, it became me sharing my experience, how I did it, because like I just said, I've got four kids and they've all got activities and I've got a career and I do a podcast and I have another website where I teach people how to use digital tools and I'm designing a trailer. And there's all of these big, big things going on in my life. So
0: why not write a book?
1: So why not? Well, <laughs> why not get licensed? Right. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, exactly. That's right. And oh, yeah, I can do. I can pass some tests. And I realized like, wow, it was It was an enormous, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. And there are some people who say, you know, those tests are easy. Um, Great. Awesome for you. They were not easy for me at all, even though I've got tons of experience doing real architecture. My projects get built. I don't just talk about it. I don't just teach about it. Um, And it was hard for me. And and so hard that, you know, there's times along the way where you just want to quit. And so really, the book is about how to create the space in your life so that you can actually accomplish this goal because it's a worthy goal. We need more great architects, period. We are having a lull in, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but with my firm, it is hard to find people. It is f- hard, really hard to find qualified people.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing that all throughout the world, not only not only in the United States, all throughout the world. It's, it's, yeah. There's a... Yeah. There's a a lack of quality architects
1: and so it, and it's not just a selfish thing while yes i would love to hire more great architects um i'm much more interested in the long game here i want to make the profession better so that yeah. this doesn't happen um that i approach many projects like this i'm looking way far down the road how how can i benefit me now how can i benefit us the the big us yeah. yep. more than how i can benefit me now and so the long game comes into play with projects I do at work. I mean, there's lots of things going on there that in my career that I'm trying to figure out how we can make the profession better, how we can affect it uh, through what we do every day. And so this book for me is, is a way to do that. And so while I know it's, it's going to be just one more thing that people are going to probably not want to read so that they can get their license, if they do I really feel like it is going to give you a huge kickstart. There are tons of tips and tricks and strategies on how to create the space in your life. It's not as hard um, as people think it is, but we also know that with the way that tests are given now, I mean, uh, you can schedule it whenever you want, which also means you can push it out further, Yeah, which also means <laughs> barrier to taking yeah. it. you can forget about it completely. No one even has to know that you're taking the test or not or that you passed or that you failed. Like there's no there's there's a lot of issues around, like I think, how the tests are given now um, and which I, I hope would change. But the camaraderie has gone. And so it's so anonymous of a process now um, that, you know, only a few people might know that you're actually going through this. And so that makes it easier to quit as far as I'm concerned. There are lots of people who quit every single day. And so my goal with this is to cheer people on, to give them a strategy so that they can actually become licensed and make the profession better. Like NCARB actually states on their website that they feel like if people get their license, they can change the world. Architects can change the world. And so I want that to happen too. And I feel like we need more great architects. So this is my little contribution to try to help make that happen.
0: Yeah, you answered a little bit of my question that I was going, I was thinking is because I want to get into some of the house here now. Um, But before we get into the house, I'd love to know why. I mean, you, you, you're an architect, you're basically an architect without being licensed doing what you were doing um, designing amazing, beautiful architecture. You share your architecture online. So I, I, I know it's very well designed and and created. Um, you didn't really need, you know, technically your license, right? Right. Um, so why, why go through that when you have kids and all of the other things that you're doing, uh, why, why get your license?
1: Uh, same reason for starting a podcast, honestly. I mean, it's, it's all about future opportunity and it becomes one of those things where that nagging voice in the back of my head was still complaining that I was not finished. Even though the same lizard brain back there is saying, don't do that, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's that competing force within us. Uh, luckily the stronger side for me is the one to, to do things and, and try things and start things. Um, I feel like, like there's there is a need that I have to fulfill, which is finish what you started. Mm-hmm. I learned with thirteen year long building permits uh, that there is a disease that happens with complacency. Right, if if you start something and you don't have a clear goal and a, uh, an end point in time that it is incredibly easy to get comfortable and not finish that thing. And so I had waited so long, like I said, 15 years, and then it took me another two years to actually do it all with my schedule and my life situation of getting up at 5 a.m. to study that It actually has helped me in so many additional ways, making the decision to get licensed uh, by creating discipline in my life and by cutting out the stuff I didn't need that I thought was important, that really was not important, and in fact, holding me back. Uh, And I talk about those things in the book. I mean, those are the strategies to create the space in your life. I don't watch TV. I rarely watch movies. Uh, I'm sorry, but that stuff is not important right? Like I get it. Downtime is important, but I'd rather do that outside on a trail somewhere where it matters to me. Um, than, than sit on a couch and get fatter, right. And watch TV. I mean, that's honestly what it's doing to our society. It's it, you go into this transient state that, that the waves, the light waves are, are sending certain signals to your brain that turn it off. And I'm not interested in that. Yeah. And I hope other people aren't either. I hope that they are interested in making themselves better. And so that was the main goal was like, finish this. You're going to be better for it. Um, th- obviously, there are other things that are other incentives out there to getting your license, right? Like I felt like it gave me a seat at the table to change the profession. I didn't feel like I could do that and not be in the club with podcasting air quotes right there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's because there is some amount of exclusivity to it. The tests are difficult. Right. So get your get yourself a seat at the table and pass the test and then do what you want to do with it and help make the profession better. The having the the title of architect is so freeing. Uh, it was for me after waiting so long, uh, because before that, you know, you're trying to find some clever way to call yourself an architect without calling yourself an architect right. because you're not allowed to right? right, Everybody else in the world can call themselves a software architect or this architect or that, but not us. Um, so that was very freeing to me. Um, and I say it with a smile on my face, you know, and when someone says, are you a licensed architect? I can say, you know, is there any other kind? Um, this, it's one of those things that is a point of pride for me. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a few of the reasons and, and ways that I kind of allude to in the book.
0: Yeah. I think the why is so important because I think there are so many people listening to us right now who are currently in that position. Yeah, they are you know architects working for firms or uh, that aren't licensed and they and it hangs over them you know that it totally just, does yep that it drags even, you
1: down as a boat anchor
0: yeah even if they've decided okay I'm just never going to do that I don't need it I'm not going to do it I think it's still there in the back of your mind that you know just you you, you started this thing yeah. why not finish it and it just and it lingers there and it just sits there in the back of your brain you know, reminding you that you never completed the the process. And so Well,
1: and you've done the hard part. You got your degree. You went to school for five or more years to do that. That really was the hard part. And actually, it's kind of the fun part, too, which is what makes the test so hard um, in addition to that. Because, right, they just want more. <laughs> Once you do all the hard stuff at school, then then you got to do more. But it, it really is one of those things where it allowed me to get on with the rest of my life and so it allowed me to move up in my career it elevated my uh, my position and that was important because it's opened up additional opportunities that I didn't have before doing that and and it becomes one of those things where yeah sure you don't have to do it you could work somewhere um you know the goal after you get the license is to not ever sign it or stamp anything but (laughs) but when you work in a firm like I do it's not I, I probably wouldn't do that anyway um because we're, we're over 300 people, but, um, but there is a definite perception to being an architect and not being an architect in this field. And so while that may, there may or may not be value to that. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, right? Um, but, but it is one of those things that really does help allow you to do things that you can't do without it.
0: Yeah. And, and I love that you've created this resource for people who are in that position who think, you know, I do want to do this, but how am I ever going to do this? How is yeah. this ever going to happen? Right. With my life, I'm you know I'm a I'm a mom or I'm a dad. I, you know, I work full time. I come home. I'm taking care of my mom or whatever. Yep. You have all these things in your life, and now I'm going to have to dedicate a you know a year of my time uh, to take these exams in order to get to this point. And so you've created this resource to yep. show people that it's for one doable that you yep. can do it, yep. and here's how you can do that. Exactly. So I love that. and I don't think I don't, I don't know of any other resources that are available. There are a lot of uh, uh ARE books and resources and websites and they all talk about the exams and how the exams work and how to pass the exams, yeah. how to study for the exams. They don't talk about the psychology of getting it done. And right. they don't talk about, you know, how how to how to actually carve out that time in your life yeah. beyond right. the exams to be able to do that. Which which Probably can be translated to any project. You know, it'll probably be a great, absolutely whether you want to take the AREs or not, even if you're licensed and you want to, you know, start a podcast or create a a side business or whatever it is you want to do or build a trailer. You know, how do you find the time? How do you carve out the time in your life to do that big project that really matters most in your life that you just haven't gotten to?
1: Yeah. So that's actually one of the strategies that I, talk about in the book was I I had decided I'm going to do this big soulcraft project. I'm going to build this trailer, I'm going to design it. It's going to be this awesome thing. And then I decided I was going to get licensed and at that moment I knew that I couldn't start the trailer until I was licensed. And so I hung that carrot out mm-hmm. there because I wanted that bad. I wanted to do it so bad that I created this situation in my life where I wasn't allowed to do B until I did A first. And and that's one of those things that you can do, right, to to make it happen, is have a goal, which is beyond just getting licensed, right? Because once you have the piece of paper, great, it's done. But But then I can actually start to do the thing that I really want to do. And by the time you get there, you will have trained yourself and you will have created the space in your life to actually do the thing that you want to do. And so that was, it's been huge for me. And it actually also created the space in my life so that I could write a book to share what I learned along the way. Um, so yeah, I think everything that you said, I just echoed it a little bit there. I mean, it is exactly, you, you've seen past the veil exactly how all that happened.
0: Yeah. And so so the, the book is called A-R-E Hacks yep um which I love uh, because that's what you're talking about here how, how do you actually do this? What are the tricks to 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 get your life organized in a way and get your your mind disciplined enough to make this happen what What are maybe one or two or three uh of the hacks that you're talking about
1: well part of the part of the whole thing is what what you just alluded to there was how yeah how do you hack your life? To, to actually accomplish this. And, and so what, what I talk about is determining, figuring out, doing like a survey, how, where can you study, when can you study, what are you gonna study, what are you gonna use, how are you gonna have study materials with you all the way Wh- whenever whenever you need them, how are you gonna have them available when you need them? Um, There's so many things like that that are, that are talked about in the book, but the overarching um, idea behind all that is discipline right how do you show up every day to accomplish the task because that is actually the hard part yeah, right absolutely. it is it is very easy to schedule a test and to show up and take it but how do you how do you prepare yourself for that day and so a lot of it is diet nutrition uh, distractions how to deal with distractions how to learn how to study Um, How to study with your family around, how to study uh, with study partners or not. Um, One of my big things is don't get a study partner, even though um, I'm I'm torn because, you know, sharing and and quizzing and all those things are great. But what I found in my personal experience was study partners are flaky and study partners (laughs) don't necessarily pass the same test you do and or you don't pass the test they do. So then what happens? Right. Do you wait for them? or do they wait for you until the next test? I don't think so. Right? So it's there's all kinds of things like that that are just really practical scenarios and situations that show up and how to deal with them. How to, you know, what are the what are the advantages to studying in front of your kids? Like what what bigger idea does that lead to in your family? Well, that you have to work hard to accomplish your goals, right? Dad's doing it, I should be able to do that too. He showed me how to do that. Um not waiting till they go to bed or doing it before they get up only right uh so there's all kinds of things like that that are (laughs) it's it's less hacking the are it's more hacking your life yeah right to to to, to do it so because there are no shortcuts i'm like the tests are hard right you can't just show up one day and like the matrix style with the information downloaded into your brain and, and pass the test I mean, you might have the experience to pass one or two of them, but you probably don't have it to pass all seven of them or six with ARE5 coming out. So there's definitely uh, lots and lots of tips and strategies in there on how to do it. And like I said, it all leads to a place where, man, if you can do this, you're going to be able to do anything you want to do.
0: Yeah, it's, I can't wait when, when it's not out yet. So what, what's the plan for uh, releasing it?
1: So, as of, yeah, we're recording right now on the second. It's not out yet, but I think, um, fingers crossed, that it will be available. And if you go to, it'll be available by the time the episode airs. I'll finish the sentence. Uh, if you go to arehacks.com, you can sign up to be notified when it's available. It's right there on the very front page and uh, that's also my personal website it's just a a redirect there but it it goes to a a landing page that allows you to be notified and as soon as it is available it'll be on that site and so if you are hearing this and you go to that site and there's a link to the book it's up and it'll be on Amazon
0: and you just hacked yourself (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) you just set a deadline Yep, for publication of this podcast to have your yep. book published and ready to go.
1: I'm hoping to have it a now few you, days now early. You have yeah. a, now you
0: have a deadline. <laughs> That's good. You, and you just did it. You just, you know, you just uh, demonstrated how it works. Yeah.
1: <laughs> commit. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Exactly. That's so a, easy.
0: That is a, a big <laughs> word. And that is, that is a huge piece of how we succeed is to, is to commit.
1: Yes, uh, I, I totally agree. And you know, we've done an episode on Arcuspeak about setting goals and I kind of go through my whole goal setting process. But this, uh, what's funny is this book was never a goal of mine. Uh, it just became something that's a natural byproduct of how I operate, which is share what you know. And I know you do the same thing. Yes. I, you know, this, this is absolutely imperative to the future of our profession. I agree. There are so many people who are not sharing what they know. And there is going to be a huge drought of information when those people retire into their personal islands, uh, you know, because they've made so much money in the architecture business, they're, they're going to go off and, and leave the millennials with none of the information because, uh, you know, the whole digital immigrant thing, we've got, we've got people who are so fluent with, with, uh, digital technology. Now I'm like, I bridge the gap and then there's the the generation that came before me who doesn't want anything to do with it. And so where are they saving that information? Where are they sharing it? And so either they, they need to be mentoring person to person or they need to be writing this stuff down and putting it somewhere um, because if they don't, if they don't share what they know, um, the future generations of architects are going to suffer for that. And, that. and that's already happening. But this is uh, my response to that. Let's share what we know um I do that on the podcast, I do it here, I do it on getmethod.com with with the digital tools for designers. Um I do it wherever I can because it's so important for the future of our profession. So again, kind of thinking long term, playing the long game here. Uh I want them to be just like I I just I think of it exactly like how I raise my kids. Like I want them to do better than me. So I'm going to share what I know with you guys and you're going to use that as a springboard for success in the future. Um do what I do but do it better. Don't do what I do. Here's what not to do. Right? I I want to share it all because it's it's all important information. The failures are just as important as the successes.
0: Amen, brother. Yeah, <laughs> you're speaking my language. Right on. And and Evan, you have served our profession in so many ways, and I and I I appreciate you for sharing what you know uh, and for serving our profession and in the at the podcast uh, at Get Method every day in your life. Uh, And with the new book, A-R-E Hacks. So I appreciate you for doing all that.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for for saying that. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Your corners of the internet to remind everybody is arcaspeakpodcast.com to get to the podcast. Uh, You can also subscribe to that on iTunes. Uh, Getmethod.com is the method training website. So getmethod.com. And the new book, A-R-E Hacks, is simple. Just go to arehacks.com.
1: That's right. And that'll get you to my site.
0: Awesome. Um, before we wrap up, I, w- I have one final question for you. This is a question that I started uh, asking in the last um, podcast before the best of episodes that were coming out through, uh, through August. I want to ask you this question and to see uh, what your answer might be. So here's the question. What is ready. the one thing that small firm architects can do today to build a better business tomorrow?
1: One word answer, start. Uh, starting is the most important thing that you can do. So whatever your ideas are, whatever you're thinking about doing, don't wait anymore and start. And so this is falls right within the book. If you start today, you are not taking on a giant mountain uh, all at once, right? You're going to chip away at it one piece at a time. It's exactly how I wrote this book. It's exactly how I'm designing my trailer. I get up at 5 a.m., and I work on it for 45 minutes to an hour every single day, one little bit at a time. And that's what you can do. And so I would say that sharing is probably the most important thing as a you can do as a small firm architect. Share your experiences. Talk to other people. Talk to other architects. Share what you know with students. Share what you know with your coworkers. Share what you know with your community. Uh, and do it on your own platform. Don't do it on Facebook, don't do it on Instagram. Like your stuff can all publish and push to those easily. Start your own blog and write a few sentences every day or post a picture or what you learned. Um so start. Just start. Get get going. Start sharing. That's perfect. So so simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple to say. hmm And and really it is not difficult to do. If you nope. just start and you you uh you look at it as small victories you know, just one step at a time. You don't have to worry about the big giant picture, the big intimidating monster that's standing before you one small victory at a time and you'll get where you want to go. And yet, but you have to start to make that happen.
1: Yeah. And, and don't get hung up on making it perfect. I mean, I, th- this is one thing that was instilled in me for, I don't know, maybe the last five or six years, uh, because I, and I already said I was, um, I tend towards being a perfectionist. I think that, people are scared away by putting an imperfect thing out into the world but the thing that sticks with me is if if you're uh if you're waiting to ship version 1.0 you've waited too long <laughs> you've got to ship it before that and then let people react to it and then modify it and then tweak it and and push it and pull it and morph it um you can it doesn't have to be perfect to put it out there
0: amen there you go <laughs> Evan, thanks for uh, spending some time here with me. I know you're you're busy with all the things that you're doing, so uh, I really, truly appreciate you for being here and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I had a great time, and uh, I always love listening to the podcast, and I really appreciate what you're doing for the community as well, so I'm happy to be a part of it.
0: Oh, it's so good to be back in the seat talking to interesting people here at entre architect podcast for complete show notes for this episode and a direct link to download it you can go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 135 if you missed my special session webinar my special session webinar join me for another free live special session webinar where i will talk about the three critical business systems you need succeed as a small firm architect, visit entrearchitect.com free webinar and I will share how to find the work you'll love, earn the fees you deserve, and then get it all done so you can focus on what matters most. Don't miss it. entrearchitect.com slash free webinar to register for free. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to go find the work you want so you can live a life you'll love love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.